anyway, so that's why I think you're gay. Uh, all right. So, oh, anyway, so uh, welcome to the Brock Larry Podcast. I am welcoming us not just to the Brock Larry Podcast, but a whole new world coming in when we're talking about the year 2020. And I'm very excited about it, not just because Trump will likely, in fact, almost certainly win re-election. How's that for a prediction? But a, ma- a major landslide. One of the things that we're going to be dealing with today is, boy, I want to talk actually about four things, if I can capture them. One is the media and how they perceive themselves, more importantly than how they perceive the population. Second, uh, the rise of Jewish, well, sorry, not Jewish anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism. And then uh, I'd like to also talk about how people are fleeing, that's right, fleeing from California and the reasons why, uh, some of which are fairly obvious, but the impact of all that. So anyway, those three things. Ah, fourth. I'll have to remember that later. Oh, Uh, oh, no, no, yes, yes. Okay, e-cigarettes. E-cigarettes. Yeah, so if you can remember all those things. That's why I pulled out the phone to write them down as a note. (laughs) All right. There's nothing worse than recording a radio show or podcast. At the top saying, there's four things I'm going to address today, (laughs) and they are this, this, that, and... What? what was the third or fourth? Uh, what was that other thing? So I wrote them down here. So, all right. So there how they the, are. How the how the media perceives itself. That's a very important topic. We were just getting into this. Uh, it's really fascinating. So how much time do you have? Uh, no, I, I, you know this this deserves about five to ten minutes or so. Oh, I was going to say five to ten episodes. It's, uh, yeah. We could. You're right. Could, but yes. it, this is a summary uh, and and a, an important one. Look, we want. Obviously, in, in media, we perceive the media to be purveyors of information. That's the ostensible reason that you have a media, and and that's a fair, a fair assessment. Now, the problem is that the media has gotten to the point where, you know, most journalists, especially the the left leaning ones, they believe that they are not just reporters of news. That's just not interesting to them. That's too mechanical for them. Uh, they they want to actually tell you how to think. That's you know they no they, what to think. What how to think? And how and what to think? How right. and what to think? <laughs> Gone are the days of the journalists who go to journalism school for the purpose of you know they they were inspired by Woodward and, and Bernstein. Okay, I get that they want to get a scoop, they want to break a story, but now they can't really do that as much. It's you know maybe we're desensitized for whatever reason. They've decided that they are going to shape the story. They're going to tell you what to think, and they're going to tell you how to think, like we said. And, and, and the reason why, you know, it just dawned on me as we listened to Rachel Maddow and all those liberal-leading um, newscasters, it, and why they continue to do this, because they must think that they're fooling people. It's clear that they're not. I mean, they, the actions are clear. That despite what Rachel Maddow says and such, and despite how they tell us that without any evidence whatsoever, they proclaim X. They talk about the Trump campaign when we have plenty of evidence, of course. So they, they throw these, these phrases out and they expect you to believe them. Um, whether it's the 30,000 emails that Hillary deleted, uh, how marginal that is and that's not a story. They tell you there's nothing to see here, nothing to see here. And the the population, the, the electorate in particular, 
uh, sees right through this. It's, it's clear. It's clear as day. I mean, there's a reason why Trump won, despite all the prognostication that the, um, that the polls showed that, that Hillary would win by 98% chance, whatever. Same thing with the Brexit vote. Same thing with the recent elections in Britain. I, you know, it's, it's really interesting how they, they'll push their mantra and expect you to, to believe it. And they, they, don't, they don't modify their, their agenda at all. No, well, the news of the polls that you just brought up is a perfect example yeah. of this. What poll? Where? <laughs> exactly. Why? Yeah. And why are you telling me that poll versus this poll? Hmm, you must want to energize these people to show up and vote. And depress those people to show up and vote right. well, in, in that particular and my, case. And my point is that despite all their efforts, they don't energize this or that right. group. Right. People they, have learned, don't listen to them. Don't They're listen. Idiots. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, the more they do this, the more people get pushed away from them. Right? CNN, MSNBC, and so on. They, we just, I mean, we know not to trust what Rachel Maddow and others like her have to say. And it's it's common sense, right? So, but, but nevertheless, they keep on doing it. And the reason why is because each of these journalists, the reporters or these news anchors, they all have come into journalism with this belief that when they go into media, they are going to effectuate change. That that the, the whole purpose of media is to shape minds, right? So they go in there, and it's I don't know. In fact, it's. It's like trying to study uh, astrology. It's, it, you know, there's no point in it. You're not going to affect anybody by studying astrology. I had a friend of mine who, who decided to become, he was a genius, by the way, uh, who decided to become a mime in Paris. Okay. I mean, a wasted talent. You're not going to do anything with mime school. He thought he was going to effectuate great things by being a mime. Uh, okay, fine. Same thing with these journalists. They're doing nothing. They're effectuating absolutely nothing except Perhaps people giving some fodder for the elites of their uh, base to go, you know, shop it around and say, well, Rachel Maddow said this and Brian Wilms said that. Uh, but no one's listening. That's okay. Well, not no one. I mean, yes, radio. See, they do effectuate change. That's the danger. I'm agreeing with you on the whole, but just as a, as a micro point, if you want a finer point on it. Think about what poll, uh, what poll numbers a given Republican, Trump, Bush, Reagan, anyone would have if the media actually did a fair and balanced, dispassionate job. Well, that's, right? why, that's what they, I'm wondering. They, that's they, the whole point they, of this thing, Ari, is that – hold on. That's the whole point of my, my point, which is I don't know that it really makes a difference at the end of the day. That's, my, that's really my ultimate point because if they truly believed that they can move the needle – from, let's say, uh, 35% of the electorate to 52% of the electorate, then that defeats my whole argument. Um, I'm beginning to wonder whether, not good for today, you know, in the year 2020, whether or not there's really that much of an impact at all anymore. And there may have been an impact in the old days. I'm saying now, I don't know that somebody going to journalism school with the idea of shaping minds, like we just talked about, uh, is actually going to be shaping minds in any shape or form, other than to just reinsert the message in the echo chamber. That's all. And uh, it gives them fodder for it. Because these people believe what they want to believe. It doesn't matter what, what 
news media would be out there, generally speaking. They would never agree with let, – let's say it's only Fox News. Let's say it's only Sean Hannity's out there, only Bill O'Reilly's and so on. Uh, what – would we still have the space? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying we still have the base of the Democrats thinking the way they do. I, but I think it would be a lot smaller. Uh, Victor Davis Hanson wrote an article about how wrong elites are. You know, you always reason. quote him, and I'm wondering if oh, you Oh, sometimes little, I quote Saul. You may, maybe you have a little thing for him? I have a big thing for him. All right. Very uh, big uh, thing. Like, just, Much bigger than... Um, I, I'm not going to say that. Just don't make me erase again. Look, the, the point is this. It's, I don't think... I think you make a great point globally, and I should say nationally, in the overall American electorate. But there's overlays, regional overlays, where elitist thinking is concentrated. <clears throat> they call that coastal, <laughs> right? Right. So media has an outside influence in places like the city we live in, New York, Chicago, places where the, the if you will, overeducated, collegiate, institutional idiots are concentrated. Because I have friends who graduate to college and they can't figure out their butt from a doornail Politically, and when I speak to them about the kinds of things we talk about, they don't know what I'm talking about. But you speak to the salt of the earth people who are officially less educated, who work in factories and farms and have this stuff called common sense going through their brains, and they get it. And they're the ones who unplug from the media and are freed of the matrix. But the the uh, my wife was talking to a friend of hers a couple weeks ago who's one of these uh, educated elitist types, and the nonsense she was saying about the impeachment, about Robert Mueller, it, uh, you wouldn't believe it. All right. You know? And so those are the ones affected by the media. So, so you're saying you, you do have a thing for Victor Davis Hanson. That's, the, that's what I'm hearing. All right. So anyway, the point, your point is a well-taken point. Do you like the way that <laughs> silence was deafening? It was. <laughs> it was like an explosion going off. You know, let's try it again. He admits it. Hold on. So you admit you have a thing Feel for Victor it. Davis Hanson. Oh, there it is. Wow. It's there like it the is. Death yeah. Star exploded. I, so <laughs> I, mean, I felt the shock Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No, look, you're saying that the media manipulation is there, but um, and I'm saying it's it's virtually not there as much as people. They think that they're – certainly we can both agree that they think that the media manipulation is much more effective and that when they say X, then people believe X because people are sheep after all. But uh, we both agree that nowhere close to what they think in their own heads. And we, we have proof positive of this now with, the, with all the actual results of things. What's really going on is that people are looking to other sources other than the Rachel Maddows out there. Just, they just don't see MSNBC as a, what do you call it, a neutral arbiter of information. Uh, not, certainly not a reliable one. And that's, that's the good news in all of this. And I think we're going to see a massive change uh, happening just from an information point of view. It goes back to one last point, then I want to move on to our next topic, which is the rise of anti-Semitism. Um, the, the main point is all this notion of fake news, right? We had a really good podcast, I think, three years ago or so, I'm going to guess. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We have a great, really great podcast every, every week. week. Yes, okay. yes, all right, very good. <laughs> I can't work under these conditions. You have to. You're not free to go. Anyway, so... You should have taken out those student loans. You know, when we first started this... This podcast, sorry. It was like 
it was very, it was also almost romantic. It was, uh, you know, you know, are you could do nothing wrong. And now we're like two old hags, you know, <laughs> who've been married for I don't know thirty years or so, and we just kind of have to get along and not, you know, you know, just have to deal with each other's presence. You know, that's the idea. Okay. But anyway, we had a podcast a while ago where we talked about fake news, and one of our arguments was. It's always been fake news. In fact, one could argue, in fact, we did argue that the news of, let's say, the 80s and 90s uh, and the 70s before that uh, was all fake news. And it was faker than Much faker than today. it is now. Yeah. There's just more of it now for a greater period of time during the day on more channels on your cable subscription. But back in the day when there were three channels broadcasting a couple hours of news... Well, well let, me, let me make it easier. Day, it was let me make it easier. Up. So you have... Let's say you had only three channels. You're right. ABC, NBC, CBS. That was our point. All of them were fake news. Yeah. But, but they were only three channels. Right. right? So... So now you have a lot of fake news, you know, through, I, I would say, you know, places like uh, uh, CNN. CNN and MSNBC. And uh, give, give me some of the um, other ones on the Internet. Um, oh, Daily Beast. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Salon.com, yeah, uh, Politico, The Hill, all those. Okay, so there's tons more. Oh, and uh, the and worst of them all, BuzzFeed. Right? That's the one yes. I was looking for. Okay, so all those guys... Plus, and you could argue there's some on the right that are just exaggerating up the wazoo. Alex Jones is InfoWars. Let me, as let, an me, example. Let, let, me, let me just yeah. finish up my thought. Okay, so there's a t- let's say there's 123 of them just comes to mind right away. Boom. So fake news. But there's a tremendous amount of accurate news. And it's really for the first time. So the accurate news is out there. And it's much better than it ever was. It's far more reliable. And it doesn't take rocket science to find it. So you, you look at the different outlets that have a good track record in their reporting, and that's what you stick with. I'm, I'm much more inclined to believe something, a news item, if it comes from, let's say, the Wall Street Journal or even from Fox News, whether it's the Internet version or the TV version, because they, they've been accurate. And you don't have to like them. You could say they have conservative bent, but the facts they don't come out with lies time and time again, and they don't say that the polling is somehow skewed in the conservative favor when it's not skewed in the conservative favor. And that's the way it is. So I'm very excited about this. It's a whole new dynamic, and part of it is simply because of the Internet. Part of it's because you know people are just not interested in cable anymore, and uh, there's a proliferation of news outlets, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I think at, the, at the end of the day, you have more outlets for information and so surprise surprise you're going to get more more accurate information while at the same time you get a lot of people trying to to crowd that field yeah and also more information more product is always a better thing and then letting us in the marketplace decide what it is we want to right. consume right there's there are plenty of crappy iphones out there uh not iphones smartphones out there and you can consume among the good ones. And, and the ones that stand out are iPhone, of course, uh, Apple, and Samsung, and a couple of others. But there's a lot of other products out there, too. And you just don't see them for whatever reason because they're just not as good. But more is better in terms of your choices. I mean, presumably. You don't want – we want to go back to the world where there's only three outlets, really? And it's also – it's kind of like the world of food. Um, and by the way, those three outlets, just to say – they're one and the same. They, okay, they all, they're one outlet. They, they all reported the same <laughs> right. thing. All, I mean, it's like Pravda 
And private Invincia. east and private west and private south and yeah. north. That there was are, it. There are, if you uh, just here's a great way of thinking about it. It's owned by the same group of Saudi Arabian, Chinese, and New York City-based investors. Right. right? Those big corporations. That's right. who that is. Right. That's what they give you. There yeah. you go. But uh, think about how. Um, Food, Los Angeles was a great city of this. For this, um, it was known as a terrible dining town for many years, until like the seventies and eighties, when people like Wolfgang Puck came around, and started innovating and bringing New York and San Francisco and Chicago level restaurants to Los Angeles. <coughs> and what happened? The public's taste elevated as they were presented a better product, and it got to the point where it is today, where the public expects a better product in general, and that's, I think, what we would want from uh, the news industry. We want the, the beautiful thing of capitalism and competition and the elevation of taste that happens as people get used to and immersed in a higher quality product over time. Yeah. And, right, and right. A, a sharper palate, a, a, a better... Um, uh, sensitivity to ha- what they're consuming and what it's doing to them, you know, from both a taste and health standpoint. That's all. Right. What's well, the same thing with any product, uh, not just food, but it's also cars. It's also bicycles. Yeah, everything. It's everything yeah. you can imagine. And and so they would have you believe that, oh, well, it's fake news. We need to consolidate the, this to perhaps, let's say, three outlets, uh, all of which would basically say the same thing and approved by the government. Okay, so... It's, you know, this time government would work somehow. That's Yeah, and Trump is the perfect emblematic example of that better taste. I, I Let, think that's it. Yeah, right. Let's move on to anti-Semitism. Oh, wait, did you say I'm right? <laughs> you can mark it on your calendar. I just January did. 2nd, 2020. We have anti-Semitism, fleeing California, and e-cigs. All right. That's the last three. So anti-Semitism, this is a, this is a fascinating one because uh, there appears to be a rise of anti-Semitism uh, even if it's only going from, let's say, five incidents every month in America to ten, and you could still say, well, that's that's still very low. The fact is that these things are happening, and they're happening in a fairly brazen way. Uh, two things to talk about, and there are two very different things, but meaningful things in the anti-Semitism world, and it always happens through um, history when it comes to anti-Semitism. One is that you're seeing tremendous rise from, very sadly, from the black community and from the Muslim community, which we're used to. Um, But I I saw, you know, with mine own eyes, as they say, a video surveillance camera capturing these guys. All of them were black. Uh, I think about 10 guys. And they were passing by, uh, you know, young, uh, but very orthodox Jew um, with the hat and everything else, with the curls. And he was passing by, and they just started wailing on him. And then he, you know, continued to move on. And he turns around and shouts something back, obviously like, you know, this is a horrible thing you're doing, or something like that. And then they just came back, and they beat the crap out of him again. So, and it's brazen. They, it was in daylight. This was not something like they were looking over their shoulder, wondering whether anyone might be seeing them. And people are not enforcing uh, the laws on this. They're certainly not reporting it, uh, as you would, you would expect. If this were, of course, obviously the, the reverse somehow, um, a bunch of white uh, uh, Christian males beating up, beating up a black Smollett. guy. Yeah. For example, I know that sounds crazy. Nobody would ever invent yeah. such a story. But 
just to use Jesse Smollett as a random example, you know, right. I, I just, person. I'm sorry why, I don't know why but, he crossed my mind, but I thought that would be an emblematic example let's say, that would bring clarity. Let's say it was a true story, okay? Let's say. That's what we're stipulating. I know, let's say we're a true story. Yeah. Uh, of course, they would be on CNN and all those guys. Wall to wall coverage. Wall to wall. It would be three weeks. It would be more. Uh, we would be more nauseating. Yeah. Than, Racial. Uh, crisis. The way you let me finish. <laughs> right. you let me, here, more nauseating than the whole coverage of the Malaysia um, airline crash. Right. I mean, it was three weeks just nonstop coverage. What were they thinking anyway? Anyway, that's another story. Point is that anti-Semitism is in a strange rise right now. And, you know, I, I think there are many reasons for it. I think that, you know, I'm going to say this very clearly, very boldly. I think that Democrats like it. Of I think, course. I think they, they enjoy uh, the pushback on Jews. I, they're not interested in Jews, except to the extent that they can fool Jews to actually support their cause. Um, and donate money to them. And donate, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really, it's, it, I am wildly perplexed that anybody like Bernie Sanders can not only believe in the crap called socialism, but that as a Jew, even if it's only way in the background for him, that he can somehow support what the Democrats are trying to impose upon uh, our people. It's very weird. And likewise, I I just, I think this is the reason why anti-Semitism is, is being, it's not being enforced. I mean, the laws against anti-Semitism or laws against beating up people are not being enforced. It appears to matter who the perpetrator is and who the victim is. And it, and once you start doing that, bad things start happening. Well, will you agree as a lawyer that the whole legal system falls apart? Of if course. You have parallel systems of justice yes. for this person, but not that person. Well, they, Lisa, they, Stra- Lisa Page, <laughs> Peter Strong. Right. Call me. Well, they, they call it social justice because, yeah. you know, it, it's okay if those Jews get beat up because, well, they're just Jews. Uh, and it's okay if the people beating them up are Muslims or you know, African Americans. Because, well, they've, they've suffered all their lives, and presumably, well, some Jews must have held slaves or something. Right. As long as a white Nazi is killing the Jews, then we'll report it. Yes. And then we'll demand law enforcement action. Well, only because, not, only because Trump right. must have uh, stoked the fires of, of that. Right. So that, that's, that's a big problem there. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about it, uh, when it comes to anti-Semitism is, have you noticed all these uh, – there are a lot of articles about – how these gravestones have swastikas painted on them, right? Graffitied on them. And likewise on churches and otherwise there are swastikas, uh, you know, on, in some sort of Jewish community, this sort of thing. So the presumption is in the minds of uh, the people reading these articles, they see white nationalist um, yeah, neo-Nazis. The German army. Yeah, the sk- skinheads yeah. painting that because after all, that's who supported uh, swastikas in the old days and, and Nazism. Therefore, there must be Nazis uh, and pro-Nazis who are doing this. Wh- why is that assumption being made? First of all, you would expect to see some surveillance cameras capturing these graffitis, right? I mean, some of it. Yeah, but you know, the same people operating the surveillance cameras in Jeffrey Epstein's cell yes, of course. apparently are operating the <laughs> <laughs> surveillance cameras at the Jewish cemeteries. So, so what? Okay, so my point is, I, I don't think these people are, are, are Aryan Nazis whatsoever. Uh, they are, by, in large part, you know, people who know that they, the Nazis you know, were trying to exterminate Jews, and they were all in support of that. 
And, you know, a lot of the Muslims are in support of things that are anti-Semitic. We know that, too. They hate Israel. Yeah, Hamas, so, Hezbollah, Iran. Yes. You know, so, and they were in cahoots in the old days with World War, in World War II with Hitler against the Jews. Uh, the Grand Mufti of, uh, Jerusalem. of Jerusalem loved Hitler. They, they got together. I mean, so it's not surprising uh, or shocking that the people that would be doing these graffiti attacks would be not white Aryans. And the, we, the reason why I believe it very strongly that they're not is that you would expect to see some sort of surveillance cameras or some bystander capturing these people doing this graffiti. And if and, it, and, and the surveillance camera probably does capture some people doing this, but they're not white Aryan nationalists. So they erase the tape. Exactly right. It's very simple. So this is, this is what's really going on. And uh, my, our Christian friends don't do this crap. I don't know of a single Christian friend. You don't know of a single Christian friend among us. Uh, in fact, whether we know them directly or indirectly, who is espousing anti-Semitism of any kind? And I would. On the make, contrary, they're they're very pro. Right. Uh, I would make the argument though, and this is this is a point that our friends in the media and our elitist liberal friends who vote Democrat miss, that any Christian or any Jew that commits this kind of atrocious behavior is not acting in alignment with the teachings of their faith. Right. Right? right, right. Isn't that an important point that they just miss? What in Christianity it would tell a Christian to behave in such a way towards right. another human being? How about nothing? Right, absolutely. So nothing. when a Christian does behave that way, how can you label that person as a Christian or engaging in Christian-ish behavior? Right, nothing. You can't. Nothing in the New Testament says, "Let's go get those Jews." Right? Yes, exactly. Uh, the, the Quran, by contrast, does say, "Oh, let's go get those Jews." Um, right. You, so we have to re- re- rewind this. You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> oh, that's Our right. New that's sponsor. Right. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> if you're hearing this, there's no there's no way you could be hearing this because we edited it out. Right. It's right. Okay. Out, good. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Good. Don't look up Sarah nine three five. I think it is or nine four five. Just uh, and don't look up Noni Darwish. You know, she won't tell you what. Sarah is right. problematic. You know, like it is. Uh, it is problematic, and yeah. then they have to find a way to say, "Look, I, I, look, my, my hats off to Muslims out there. There are many moderate Muslims out there uh, who, you know, practice it in a very subdued way, and they don't look at the the anti-Jewish part of it. I'm not saying all Muslims are anti-Semitic, but I am. I think any Muslim, a moderate Muslim, would say that's a problem that we have in our faith is that they've got this thing. In the Quran that says, you know, let's go get those Jews. That ain't health, healthy for any religion. So it's a problem. So that, that's enough about anti-Semitism. These are two things that I really wanted to bring up, and I, I'm glad I did. Next thing I want to talk about. Uh, California. All right. So well, people. Flee. Hold on, hold on. I just want to get the wording right because this was very complicated. Fleeing <laughs> California. I think California has been invaded with fleas. <laughs> that's what I meant. Yeah, that's what you meant. Uh, okay, so in 2017 alone, and I'm sure they'll have numbers for 2018 soon enough, in 2017 alone, there were 67,000 people leaving, fleeing California. Uh, most of them going to Texas, Arizona, and I believe uh, Oregon, perhaps. Yeah, non-flea infested states. Exactly. Except Oregon. <laughs> right. So the problem is that Brock, that was really funny. I, it was really super funny, <laughs> super funny. Uh, and this is what I have to deal with, folks. 
So anyway, they're leaving, and, and the reason why is that it's just, I mean, the reports and the polling of these people, they actually ask them why are they leaving. And more, more or less all of them saying that the economics just don't make sense here anymore. Can I simplify It's too expensive. Hey, hold on. Okay. It's too expensive. Uh, the regulations are too intense, especially if they are if they are an employer, and a lot of these people are employers. And then finally, uh, that it's just gone too far left. It's too crazy that you know people don't want to deal with the homelessness problem. They don't want to deal with the plastic straws. Uh, sorry, the paper straws. They don't want to have to deal with the, you know the latest ban on something that they use in an ordinary way all the time. Uh, they don't want to have to be wondering whether or not they're committing a felony just by walking down the street. It's, it's a very weird dynamic. Now, the question is, uh, not like the question, but it's even more interesting because these people are leaving California where they have so, so much in the way of roots. They might have family here that extends generations. Uh, the weather is fantastic. No, you know, that, that will not change. And they still nevertheless flee to go to Texas or Arizona, both of which have really very, crappy weather. Very daunting weather. <laughs> it's challenging weather, shall we say. Uh, dubious weather. <laughs> it's, it's a big problem. And uh, they say, you know, it's, it's worth it to us. Look, I'm willing to spend, you know, as, as me, Barack Lurie speaking right now, I'm willing to spend, you know, up to, what, $50,000 a year. Uh, in order to be able to spend you know, to stay in California, because just for the weather, okay, just for the weather, fifty thousand that you wouldn't have to spend elsewhere is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Right, fifty thousand, you know, as a premium for the luxury of living in California. Okay, let me just make a joke here. So he's willing to see he likes Californians homelessness so much he's willing to spend fifty thousand. No, that's a my year point. And not invested in Apple or Netflix stock each year. Amortized over ten years right. with compound interest. Oh, sorry, I don't. I, I don't, I don't think you're getting it. <laughs> oh, I get. It. No, no, you're, no, you're not. I'm, I'm just, I'm just focusing on the weather right now. Right. Okay, I'm not talking about anything else. Yeah. I'm saying how much would you pay to, to as a premium? You, you expect that you know California is in an, an in-demand state because it's just, it's beautiful. Right. It's so good here. The homeless, the homeless population is a growth industry because the weather is so good. All right, and it's true. Let me let me make my point. So there's, there are the beaches. There's the skiing. There's the you know the desert, if you like that. If you you know there's all sorts of wonderful things here, and the weather is very moderate and it's great. It's not, not never too extreme, and uh, the humidity is just nothing to really factor in. And and what's not like about that? So I can understand people will pay a premium for that weather. Got it. Yeah. That's part of the location, location, location aspect of California. But there are other things that go along with California. Who knew? Uh, and that is these crazy liberal politics. It, it's so crazy now that we can't, like I said, we can't even walk down the street without wondering whether or not we're going to be arrested for committing some sort of felony we didn't know that we were doing. Yeah, or assaulted by a homeless person and having their defecant dropped upon us right. through a bucket. It's, Every, that, everyone, it's that gamut. Yeah, everyone in California, or at least in Los Angeles, I should say, are, you know, is wondering, okay, when are the homeless coming to my neighborhood and just camping out there? <laughs> and, and, yeah, that's true. It's true. And, uh, you know, it's understandable because why not? Because the, the, the cops are not you know, clearing homeless doing away. Anything They're not doing that, anything yes. with it. And they hear story after story about People who are camping on their front lawn and they're trying to say, "Hey, get these guys off of my lawn," and uh, you call nine one one and they're not going to do anything. Yes, yeah, their right to be there. 
Yeah, well, my right to own this. The, the police are not saying that that's their right to be. They're with you on this, but they they can't enforce yeah, it. Yeah, they, they've been ordered. They don't have the not to Will do anything. Would you let me finish my thoughts here, please? Uh, okay. What was that? Was that your burp there? Okay. The point is that they will not. Do, they, they can't do anything. They're they're tied financially and resource wise. That's a problem. All right. So now it's going to get worse. And what's happening in Venice is, is bad enough, Santa Monica, and, and soon enough it'll come to Brentwood and other places too. And, and what they're, and here's the question I have for you, Ari. Um, we know that it's happening. We know Gavin Newsom and such are looking the other way. But you and I would both say they're not just looking the other way. They are actually looking this way and wanting it to happen. Yes. Okay. And we, we talk about Agenda 21 and talk about a lot of other reasons. Why, in your words, would you say that they are seemingly promoting a homelessness uh, fact on the ground? There are two tracks on it. One is an overall assault on capitalism, the same way Occupy Wall Street camped out on the street to say, see how bad free markets are? We're going to take the streets back from you property owners. So it's an assault on all things uh, private property. So if you have a piece of private property and a homeless guy camps out on it, they can say to you, see, sucker, you spent $2 million on the house. How do you like it now? Right? Okay. I, so that's part of it. The other part why, of it... Why wouldn't that apply that, in, in in Arizona and Texas and otherwise? I mean, oh, it does and it <laughs> will, but this is the battleground now. Okay. If you look at the blue states, that's where it's happening acutely. Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, New York. Right. Okay, but but, but but my question, you're not hearing my question very well. I do I? hear your question. No, no. You have to let me give the answer because the answer, I think, is a mind blower. The real answer is, and this is so disgusting, is it, you ever see the movie Chinatown? Of course. Remember what the plot was. Noah Cross, the rich guy, is trying to buy or control all of L.A. through real estate by buying up land <clears throat> on the cheap and then, after he owns it, giving that land water so the price goes up. So what's happening is, um, and this is so unbelievable, the homeless people are being used by the politicians to locate themselves in a certain place, like in front of a business, <laughs> in front of commercial real estate. The business that's there fails because customers can't go there. Then... The landowner isn't receiving rent, so they put their building up for sale. And then very wealthy – I mean, this sounds like conspiracy, but this is actually what's happening here. Then large um, corporations and very wealthy investors are buying that land on the cheap, building after building after building. They're all adjacent to each other, buying them all, knocking them all down using that real estate process of unifying the lot into one property and then building the large Agenda 21 development on top of it. And at that point, something very interesting happens. You know what it is, Barack? Suddenly, the politicians order the police to move the homeless out of that place and to someplace else. So that's what's happening. All right. It, it sounds like it's some conspiracy, but it's true. This is what's really happening. Well, conspiracy or not, that's the effect is what you're saying, and I, I think that's right. I, I should say it sounds like a conspiracy theory. It's not. It's an actual right, so conspiracy. Let's that's move happened. on. The, the, the effect is what you're saying it is, which, look, at some point people will say, I'm not going to develop this property because it's just too difficult and the, the, prices, uh, you know, it, the prices are going down on yes. all these various different properties. And I might as well sell while, while I can. 
and then you, you, you're saying that, okay, so this is a grander scheme, uh, and you might be right. I mean, you just might be right. There's certainly, when they actively make laws, and here's to your point, when they actively make laws that make it easier for the homeless to squat on your property, uh, that's, that's, it's, that's bad. That's where we're going. The simply deciding not to enforce the laws because of resources and such like that, well, then you can say it's more of a passive issue. But they're actively taking steps yes. to promote homelessness. They, they, they're encouraging them. It's like a magnet. So, look, it's a long-scale plan if that's the case. Uh, that's an evil plan if that's the case. Uh, but certainly, you know, it's, it's the only thing that makes sense is what you're saying, yeah. is what you've just told us, rather, uh, that, in fact, that there's an agenda behind it. And, uh, you know, you have to assume it's awful. Yeah, it's and just then, awful. And, and, and it does not happen in other states. I, I, this is a, an issue that is throwing people away from California. So now here's the question. What happens when, like I said, there's 67,000 people who left California net um, in 2017? The question becomes, well, what? It's all great and well to have an Agenda 21 agenda, so to speak, where everyone is crammed into these, these complexes. Uh, but what if you don't have any people? I mean, it, it, what if there are no employers to oh, employ Oh, but they're people? bringing in more people. Understand, the illegal aliens are replacing the productive. Okay. Understand, the homeless are, are eventually going to be sheltered in the grand plan once these large developers with their benevolence uh, do the stratified housing in the, in the multi-level building with the low income living down here in the steerage in the basement and the wealthy living on the top level held hostage by the lower class that could always arson them if they displease the lower class. It's a, it's a long-term, uh, almost Soviet communist plan. You know, every once in a while I think that <clears throat> Ari is, is uh, not necessarily crazy. Um, but this time, I think I think he is crazy. I think that is a little little yeah, far fetched. Yeah, remember, uh, let's go back. Okay, no, back no, no. machine to 2012, where you said Obama's just wrong, and I go, no, Barack, he's deliberate. No, Ari, it's just wrong. And then three years later, uh, we had a podcast, no. uh, uh, another great. I like. I liked. I, where you, you, go, you had me. Ari, when, you were fun. Yeah, I agree with you right. now. Uh, you had me when you said that there's like this overall plan, right or wrong, of you know trying to move in the homeless and not otherwise enforce laws that would otherwise support the security of, of the wealthy. Uh, and, and I get that. But uh, I think you went a little far there, the other, the other part with the might arson them and such. That's another story. But crazy things are happening. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there are a lot of things that I would not have predicted you know, 15, 20 years ago about where we are today, and here we are. It's, it's not just one or two things. It's a multiple of things. Okay, let's move on to the last hold thing. Hold on, hold on. I have to show it to you on the list before you can move on because you have to have forgotten it so I can remind you, E6. Yes, e I know that it's E6. You I know. Let me, let I just me. wanted to have my – I wanted to prove I had a, a reason to be here. All right. <laughs> you always say, why are you here? <laughs> I still ask myself why you are here. <laughs> Wake up in the morning. Why? Why do I work with this guy? It's not because he's good looking, folks. He's not. He's lovable. I don't know. I don't know why his beautiful wife has decided to marry him. I figure that there's got to be some sort of extortion or blackmail going on. Her eyesight isn't very good. Well, that too. That's clear. <laughs> uh, that's clear. Do not invest in, in LASIK for her. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what is this? All right. So let's move on to e 6 
One of the things about e-cigarettes, uh, you know, the, the big news of the day is that e-cigarettes are so dangerous and it's getting kids uh, hooked on to uh, all sorts of flavors, enticing them, and that's not a good thing. Obviously, to the extent that kids are using e-cigs as their introductory way of getting into pot and otherwise and other drugs, of course, that's a bad thing. But they forget the reason why e-cigs came onto the market in the first place. <laughs> right. And that is to get people off of cigarettes, if I, you know, an easy way to get out of cigarettes. Now, suddenly the e-cigarette companies are the evil guys. They're the ones who, I mean, that was the whole purpose of this. Now, the fact that somebody can abuse something uh, is not cause enough to get rid of that entire industry, right? I mean, people, Thank you for just justifying legalizing marijuana. Yes. I'm not you trying to legalize that. No, <laughs> don't, let's not go there. I, I do not believe in legalizing marijuana. And, and don't even get me started with that because this, this is an area that is so dangerous, marijuana, and what's going on and the legalizing of it, the ramifications are legion. It's not a good thing. But let's get back to e-cigs. E-cigs was designed for one thing and one thing only, is to get people off of cigarettes. And it was a huge market. Um, enabling people to just stop smoking. And it's turned out to be the evil enterprise, and it shouldn't have been. To, to ban e-cigarettes is like to say, let's ban cars because some people have used cars in a dangerous way, whether it's drunk driving or, for that matter, for the purpose of maiming somebody with their car or... Um, uh, using the car for purposes of a getaway from a bank robbery and so on. We, we, we would never do that. We would never think this way. Yeah, the Manson family used a car. We need to ban all cars. Yes, exactly. <laughs> good, good example. There's, there, there's too many examples. Uh, people use it to, uh, to, to flee the country. I mean, you, you don't want to give cars. You, know, you could easily argue the same thing to say cars are being used uh, for crimes of all kinds. Right, yeah. they're being used to flee law enforcement and evade law enforcement, right. and uh, and and every no, everyone on the hill is you know nodding their heads. Yes, we got to do something about yeah. these cars. Meanwhile, in the fine print, this commercial brought to you by the public transportation industry. <laughs> exactly, right? the same thing is going on here. Who do you think is running all those advertisements showing you how dangerous vaping is? Yeah. Oh, cigarette, cigarette companies. companies. Of course, they're huge. It's their big revenge, right? I, look, you know, I, can, can you blame them? No. Uh, vaping is an existential threat to cigarette smoking, smoking right? Yes. I mean, and it would be a highly effective mechanism to do so. The last thing they want is to get people off of their addictions because there are fewer and fewer people who are starting with the cigarette smoking, which is, I think, a good thing. Of course, it's a public good. Very few people are smoking, in our circles at least. And, and that's a hugely good thing. But, I mean, I, I remember as a kid back in the 70s, um, especially in the early 70s, everyone seemed to smoke. I, I had no plans of smoking myself. I was, you know, I learned very quickly because they were already educating kids about the dangers of smoking. But I had no interest in that. It, did, it seemed stupid to, to put a bunch of black smoke in your lungs. I didn't get it. But, but now nobody's smoking. Nobody in my circles, at least, and certainly nobody in buildings and nobody in restaurants and everything else. They've effectively banned it in such a way that people are really, it just doesn't pay to smoke. Uh, and people are, are very aware of the dangers of smoking. So e-cigs, here, come, here comes the final blow, right, to cigarettes altogether. And then uh, cigarette companies 
understandably want to destroy the e-cigarette world, and they've done it. They've succeeded. Vaping, vaping, it's a terrible thing. Right, it's they've a, it's, created the perception that it's more dangerous than playing in traffic. Right. They, they, they've created the perception that vaping has been born as an industry to get your kids hooked on drugs, which one people, some people might call ironic. Can I tell you the funniest commercial of all I saw? And this was so brilliant, I don't even know what to say. They said that exact message, except the punchline was, and if your children start vaping, they are more likely someday to start smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's brass balls. <laughs> I mean, just clang. Really, cigarette company? That's so transparent, you know? Well, here, here's the thing, is that unlike what because, we talked you about... Know, we'd rather make money on them while they get addicted to cigarettes by having them smoke cigarettes. The, 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 <laughs> the thing that we began off... The, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Now we can tie this together and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. But here it is. We were talking before in the very beginning of this podcast about how the media is so ineffective at actually moving the needle because of circumstances that we talked about and people don't believe the uh, Rachel Maddow's of the world. Uh, and I think that's accurate. By contrast, when it comes to private industry, such as the cigarette companies, they are very effective about getting their message out and effectuating change the way they want to do it, which is you know, the, the bad side, if you want, of capitalism. Um, but I don't care. I mean, I, capitalism is is fantastic. Free free market, God centered capitalism is good. I, I think that cigarette companies are bad in the sense that they are peddling a very dangerous product, and oftentimes seek to peddle it for a younger crowd that should not be uh, influenced whatsoever by these things. All the same, look how how much power they have, how successfully they have made it seem as though vaping itself is the evildoer of the day, when in fact it was presented as a panacea against the real evildoer, which is the cigarette companies. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's breathtaking, the, the corollaries between the cigarette companies and what they're doing and what the liberal news media is trying to do, right? It's, it's exactly the same thing. They try to present the non-racist, the non-fascist, the fighter for freedom uh, as the fascist. ones are the fascists and the racists and the ones who want to enslave you. It's really fascinating. That's that, that's how it all ties in. That's why I saw these two things together. All right, four folks. Th those are the four things. All right, my friends. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Brock Lurie, and we'll talk with you next week.